0: This is Samuel Salala and you're listening to Friars on the Farm
1: podcast. Welcome to Friars on the Farm Podcast. I'm Donovan and coming to me live with is Roy. <laughs> with Roy. One way or another, these Padres and are gonna win. Well,
0: today we're going to talk about the Major League Minute. We're going to run through some minor league news, tell you about a Mad Friars interview with Anthony Villar, and then wedged in the middle of our uh, of our affiliate rundown, we've got an interview with Sam Blum of, of the Athletic about the pre-tact ball they're using
1: in the Double A Southern League. Yeah, so Sam writes for uh, he covers the the Angels uh, for the Athletic, and he wrote an article on the the use of the enhanced ball is the actual terminology uh for uh to trying to get some kind of way to have some kind of sticky ball so um that's about 10 minutes of interview there good stuff there i also asked him about what he thought about otani so you guys stick around for that because it's really interesting what he has to say and and what do you is going to happen with him i, uh,
0: I want to get your thoughts on the pre-tacked ball but we'll talk about that when we kick it to it uh during our double a segment
1: yeah absolutely so but first off, if you yeah, I had some pretty serious dental work done yesterday, Uh-oh. and so um, I, I've got a fake tooth in the very front, so you might hear a little whistle or a little whistle, or you might, <laughs> you know, it makes me feel like I sound like Chevy Chase from Fletch. When he, oh uh, okay yeah when you wore the teeth and now uh, you know it's huge. Um, I was thinking yeah. more like all I want for Christmas is the, for two front teeth. Two- <laughs> <Well, laughs> <laughs> uh, nobody um, will notice. Nobody, nobody will notice well, I, I notice it, so it's kind of weird. Um <laughs> So let's start off with the Major League minute. Dude, finally, 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 our boy Brett Sullivan has himself a game.
0: Congratulations Brett Sullivan. He had an RBI double and a home run in the same game. Um what a way to break out. And I've noticed yeah. since then it seems like he's gotten a little bit more playing time. He's been used as a pinch hitter a couple of times as a yeah. late game sub for Nola. I'm hoping to see a lot more of, of uh, Brett Sullivan as it go, as the season goes by.
1: Yeah, definitely to give you know to get his bat in the lineup that is is a good thing. Nola is Nola. You know, he is, the, the pitching staff are very comfortable with him. They, they love throwing to him. Uh, it's about production at the plate, and I think that's real important. With, you know, the latest news on Luis Camposano is he's beginning to hit. You know, he's beginning to catch. Um, he's beginning a throwing, kind of a throwing program to kind of get back into, uh, you know, baseball shape. And I'm sure in the next week or so, by the end of the week, they'll probably send him off for rehab. So he's at least another week away, at least another week away.
0: Right. What I heard was that he was, uh, he was swinging a bat, hitting balls off a tee, and that he was catching a spongy ball with okay. his glove hand, like not a regular baseball, but something with some some give to it. Um, this, you know, I I don't know what he did to his thumb, but I mean, last year I heard that the bullpen catcher Pete Somerville broke his thumb yeah. catching one of Blake Snell's bullpens. So crazy things happen when you've got a ball that, you know, the last couple feet of its travel moves a few inches to your, uh, to your right, it's going to, it's going to sting you. Uh, But Brett Sullivan getting some opportunities here, you know, on the season so far, he's batting 227 uh, with a 455 slug, uh, but he's got off to a real slow start. And hopefully now that he's seeing a little bit more, you know, it's not regular playing time. He's not cat. He's not starting. He's still going to start once, maybe twice a week. Um, But just being around the, the starting pitchers, earning their trust. Uh, you know, communicating with everybody, getting into the 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 role of things. Um, you know, I'm I'm hoping that he can take a little bit of because Austin Nola, I, as much as everybody seems to like the guy, I've had a hard time holding that flag up this year.
1: Right, and that's and that's and and that's okay because the expectations for the team are set so high. Um, but we're going to go with that, and I think you know. With with Sullivan being left-handed, he will be that occasional left-handed bat off the bench. So I think being left-handed also serves him really well.
0: Right. I mean, it's it's been it's been rough when there's a rally going on and there's runners on base and it's two outs, and then you see Austin Nola stepping into the box. And I can't help but think this feels like an automatic out. He's gonna ground out. It's not gonna, you know. He doesn't have the, the pop that he had when he came. People show the stat cast numbers from the 2020 season when the Padres traded for him. And I mean, all of his numbers, all of those little sliders were over in the red. Max exit velocity, expected batting average, all of that stuff. And it's just not there this year. So I don't know if the guy can find it, but he is 33. It's been a couple of years since we've seen that that kind of level of performance. And it's just, man. But I like the left-handed side of brett sullivan so if you get a little lefty righty thing going yeah i don't know i i really want to see brett sullivan latch onto a job and hold on to it
1: absolutely we all do and then we and then kershaw gate meme gate i don't know just i think it's stupid um i it was a little racy but it was just stupid that i think they put it up there but then, right. then, I, then I saw what they put up when Fernando Arteta Jr. you know failed his drug test. They actually put up the MLB, San Diego Padres, a media statement up on their video board. Did, wait, did the Dodgers actually do that? I, I believe so. I saw someone that had tweeted that.
0: I thought maybe that was somebody just like Photoshopping it up on the, on the Dodgers video board. But anyway, I just wanted to get your take on it because I saw it like right after the game, I saw somebody posted it and I'm like, Oh, that's funny. Somebody photoshopped that in there. And then no, really somebody on the Padres (laughs) staff decided that that was a good idea on their media staff. Now I'm not upset about it. I, I don't think that it's dirty or underhanded or anything like that. I think it's kind of funny, but it's a little bit poking the bear. Yeah, yeah. we can't. You know, the Padres have been the doormat for the Dodgers for so many years. Finally, got our come up since last postseason, and now I feel like the teams are more on an evil, a level playing ground. Yeah, we can't just start boasting. I mean, the the whole goose, the 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 rap with the Kusi guys. And those goofy guys that do their rap and then the the spray paint, they had to do the mural of the chicken stomping on the Philly Fanatic before the series even started. And it seems like Padres fans in general find a good way to just take it a step too far and get
1: a little too excited about things. Well, I, you know, it's funny because I'm kind of in the same kind of breath. I'm like, eee, too much. you know? But hell, dude, we're winning. We we got a winning team. We have a we have a team that's going to be winning for a while, and we have been a it's been a crappy team for lack of a better term most of our adult lives, if not all of our adult lives. And finally, they're starting to get a little taste of um, success, and that's what you get. I mean, that's what you get when you when your team does well. You get stuff like that. You get you know that who's that Jason Pugh? I think his last his, his name is who. Um, I can't remember how to pronounce his last name. But there's a video production from the PECO oh, Pro Pro P R O U G H T? I think is the last name. You know, and, and and then the fans on Twitter, it's just that's what happens when your team starts winning and you've been so crappy for so long. But yet, you know, we haven't won a ring yet. There's um there's lots of the season to go, um. But hell, let fan let people fan the way they're gonna fan.
0: Let the fans do that, but the media guys that are putting the yeah. information up on the boards, I think they need to keep it a little bit, a little yeah. bit classier than that. And the team's one game over 500 right now, looking up at the Dodgers in the standings. Let's hold on to that stuff until,
1: you know, later in the, the season.
0: divisions are, you know, they've already yeah. put up the banner and whatever. It's way too early for that kind of stuff. All that I does think, is put
1: bulletin board material up for those guys. God, you know, and and superstition is superstition. Like, do not jinx it. Don't jinx it. Let us go out there. Let them play ball. Let them win games. Let them let the season develop the way it's going to develop. Uh, and then once we start getting some hardcore success, then we can move on.
0: Right. And then what happened Saturday and Sunday? Lost a couple of close games. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and they, the, both of those games could have easily gone the other way. Well, uh, but you know, if you're a superstitious type, you might wonder, you know, was there a little yeah. voodoo work in there?
1: <laughs> yeah, voodoo, nice, nice way to explain that. Um, but hey, let's move on. We had some awards to give out here, yeah, uh, it's NILB. award season already. So, uh, well, Manuel Castro was named NYLB California Pitcher of the Week the week before, so that's two weeks ago, and then just this last week after his last start. Um, Robbie Snelling was Pitcher of the Week this last week. So Manuel Castro, he he was he had a six innings pitch, two hits, no base on balls, three strikeouts with zero earned run. Um, Robbie Snelling had six innings, five innings, wait, 11 strike. I have it, here, it down here. But he was we'll, also we'll get to that in the in, the, in yeah. the affiliate
0: rundown. But yeah, that whole that whole starting rotation right now is it's just, just a buzzsaw. Uh and then the the storm third baseman Graham Pauley, he batted 371, 482, 557, and led the league in on base percentage with the um he was second in the league at average hits and OPS and is fourth in runs and total bases. Um so he was named uh position player of the week of the California League. Mm-hmm. Of oh, the month. Okay, there we go.
1: The month. I didn't All put it right. on there.
0: All right. So then, next, Julio Tehran. I find this interesting, it's and very I'm, interesting. I'm really curious about what the specifics are. So he signed a minor league deal with the Padres. Uh, did pretty well through spring training, got assigned to the Chihuahuas, and then written into his contract are certain opt-outs. It's pretty typical with these veteran players that sign minor league deals. There are dates in which they can opt out of their contract. So he requested to opt out of his deal, got released, and then signed back on a minor league deal with the Padres again. And I'm really curious what happened, what, what the actual nuts and bolts of this are.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting to me as well. I had on there, you know, hey, he's been released. He asked for his release. He's got it. He was 2-2 two and two with a 6.24 ERA. Um, not great numbers, but not horrible numbers for the Pacific Coast League. Um, I think maybe he thought he would be uh, more of an option when it comes to the rotation. Well, and he still might be. You know, it's a that, long season. And that's what I, That's how I kind of feel it went down. I like, look, we're, you're going to be used. Like, you keep pitching where you are and you know eventually we're going to need you and you am wondering get that opportunity i'm wondering if it had to
0: do with some kind of negotiation there's some you know his salary changed or there right. was some some perk that he gets now that he didn't get before or there's got to be something like that because in all of the releases when you were looking at like jeff sanders the guys from mad friars all of them in the same breath they're like okay they're going to release him but it sounds like they're going to sign him right back so I just I want to know how that, I, I don't understand it. <laughs> I want
1: to well, know how know that he works. Might have, really, he might have signed that. He might have signed that uh, contract before the union agreement. And the union agreement may may have more money stipulated for players. Kind of uh, maybe. Yeah. I I kind of I I does the
0: uh, does the CBA even go into effect immediately or does it? I thought no. it did,
1: and I've never seen anything that said it did or didn't. You know, we need to to get
0: Garrett Brogius back on the show here. Reach out to Eugene Friedman or one of these people that's good at at reading legalese, uh, because that is beyond me. I'm good at reading, like, specifications and doing math, but when it comes to reading (laughs) legal, you know, reading the law, uh, my
1: eyes glaze over. Well, we're coming up on our 200th episode here in about three weeks. Uh, I reached out to Emily Walden to see if she'll come on. So. She's going through some treatment right now. We're hoping that'll be done, or at least she'll have the energy to do something maybe next week. But it's a shot to have her come on, and we can have her explain everything to us like we're five years old. Oh, I'm sure we'll, we'll be able to get somebody <laughs> on the show one way or another. Looking forward to episode
0: 200. We'll have to we'll have to make a party of it.
1: Yeah. All
0: right, All right, right move. so move on to our uh, Matt Fryer's interview. Go ahead and introduce that for us,
1: Donovan. So, this is uh, David Jay from Mad Friars interviewed Anthony Villar a couple weeks ago, and uh, it goes like this. Villar didn't start catching until going into a sophomore year at the University of Miami, and even then it took the shutdown due to COVID-19 to start testing out being a catcher. It was an idea that came up in conversations with big league clubs that were intrigued by both his strong baseball instincts and throwing arm. The trial paid off after his junior year when San Diego drafted Villar in the 15th round, announcing him as a catcher. After a brief cameo in the Complex League last summer, uh, Villar spent the 2022, uh, sorry, com- yeah, that summer, thank you. Villar spent the 2022 campaign in an understudy role at, with uh, Fort Wayne. This year, in order to get more reps, he's he broke with the storm. He's just, he's just a, sm- a smart,
0: heady kid, said his storm manager, Pete Zamora. Sometimes he's out there, he's a fourth, fifth coach for us. He's so good with these young arms, we're blessed to have him here. He could play at another level, but he's getting at bats and playing every day. So for his development, it's perfect. And that right there, there was something that we touched on a week or two ago uh, where the 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 rumor that Ethan Salas might be coming up and how the, the dominoes may fall into yeah. place. One of those was that Villar, he stepped back this year to try to find an opportunity for more playing time. Right. And he's right. taken that and run with it. Yeah, he's um, hitting really well. So Madfriars asks, how did you structure your off season? Anthony says, I started out. I started doing a lot of weight training with Nick Soto down in Miami. He's one of the guys who trains Manny Machado and a couple of my friends who've made a lot of progress in the last couple of years, a lot of weight training and trying to get faster. Uh, And then this is uh, David. I've always thought that asking someone who hasn't been a catcher before to learn at this level is one of the crazier things that happens in baseball. How did you handle making such a big transition? Anthony in the beginning, I was more worried about the mental aspect of catching than just the physical receiving and throwing part of it. Throughout the year, the physical part I really pride myself on working is blocking because infield-wise, I was having the instinct to pick the ball when I see it on the ground. Mainly, it was working on the mental part of it, the game management, talking with pitchers before the games, <clears> knowing <throat> what to do before the next batter comes up, or even the batter after him with the guy we're facing right now in this moment. So it's just learning, catching a lot of innings, and learning. And learning. And learning. And so thinking about Salas again, so Salas is 16 years old. He's got all these tools and everybody's so excited, but that right there. So you need to understand the situation right now, the runners that are on the fielders, where they're all positioned, what the possible situations are, what happens in the next play. If the ball gets put into play, you're thinking about the batter. What did their last swing, their last take look like? How did they respond to this pitch? How did your pitcher respond after throwing a pitch? There's so much going on. And then you're thinking right. about what am I going to throw this guy next? What am I going to throw to that guy next? Who's on deck? There's there's so much that they're having to process in that moment that I think gets overlooked when you're looking at the development of a catch. They think, oh, they just catch the ball, they throw the ball, they block, they frame, yeah. they hit they do this but there's so much more that goes into it and that's just the moment in the game that's not what happens (laughs) after the game after they have to digest what just happened and then before the game all the prep they have to put into planning i mean they have such a heavy workload compared to everybody else
1: on the team well that's why there's so many catches become major league managers they are really the general on the field and and the that that all that mental, all the mental side of it, the thinking what what do the, the strategy behind every every pitch to every at bat to every inning, uh is why they make great managers. They think of that stuff way ahead of the, way ahead of time. Um, and with you know, with him being down here, getting that done, working with the great young staff. Like he's, you know, uh Zambo said it, like he's almost a fourth or fifth coach in that interview he says. Um and he's a little bit older. I think he's 24. So I, I would certainly see him and he's doing really well at the plate. If so I see him moving up and then eventually having Salas come, you know, make his debut. It might not be till after the all-star break, it might not be till the end of June. So uh, that's really up to the Padres. But you know, there's certainly uh, there's certainly a reason to move someone up to fill that void.
0: Well, since we're on that topic. <laughs> So, the the Summer League starts June 6th, I think, is the date that that's going to kick off. Okay. And we've seen it stated that the Padres may send him out to Lake Elsinore to make his pro debut before the start of the Arizona Summer League. So, the next homestand is, I think, next week. They're they're on the road right now. They come yeah. back next week. They're playing Visalia, and we're coming right up on that, that time. That's, so... When Visilia is in town, you may want to head up to Lake Elsinore.
1: Right? Did you just did you say road trip? Maybe road trip. <laughs> road trip. Let's do it. Not to Visilia to Lake Elsinore. Right. Okay. So let's continue with this. Does it help you to? to uh, does it help you more to have someone call out the positive steps you've taken, or to have someone come to you and say, "This is where you should have done X instead of Y to grow." Right. When something happens, I would like to know so I don't make the same mistake in the next inning. But also, you kind of learn to teach yourself. Also, you make a mistake and you know, you kind of already know the coach is going to tell you, and you beat him to it and tell him, Yeah, I should have done this. So at the same time, you're learning from the coaches. You're also learning from yourself, too. Aside from the obvious of repetition and more experience, what were the goals you set for yourself coming into the year? You have a lot more barrels and have a better average than I did last year. In the first weekend, I hit two home runs and had two all of last season. Uh, so I want to continue on that trend. Catching, I think, last year I did a good enough job catching. A lot of pitchers like throwing to me and got moved up. I'm just looking at the same thing here with these guys. Get All the guys who started here, get them up to high A or double A, get the train moving for them. That's our job as catchers is to help them be the best pitchers they can be. That's, that's a,
0: that, yeah. That's it. That's the right kind of, of viewpoint that you want a player to have because you know, if he can make the pitchers better, then the team's going to be successful. It's going to make him look better as a player. Um, but it and it's
1: it gives you the confidence, and the organization has the confidence that not only that your mindset, but you're doing it right.
0: All right, so let's move on to our affiliate rundown. And as always, thank you very much, Madfriars, for all the great content you guys put out. Uh, we, uh, we happily snip here and there from Madfriars, as well as a few other uh, key references. Yes. Um, so strike one with the Lake Elsinore Storm. On Tuesday, the Storm uh, pitching held up their part of the bargain, but the offense struggled against the Quake, who now sit next to the Storm on top of the Cali League. Righty Henry Baez pitched the first five innings and allowed just one earned run on three hits. The 20 year old walked a pair and struck out five quakes. It was the second night, it was the second straight outing in which Baez worked five innings. Overall, Baez has pitched to a 1.69 ERA. Dwayne Matos took over for Baez and allowed the winning run, but otherwise pitched well. He allowed a run on two hits in two innings. It was the first run Matos has allowed this year. In previous years, Matos had started the majority of his appearances, but in 2023, he appears to have fully transitioned into a bullpen role. In 12 and two-thirds innings with the Storm, Matos has allowed just five hits while pitching to a sparkling .81 ERA. Ruben Galindo held the Quakes scoreless regarding the final six outs of the ball game i got to say hi to ruben galindo when i was in peoria actually i was in phoenix because he was playing for team columbia
1: oh really?
0: so I, okay. s- I saw him out there in the bullpen and i i i waved him down and i said i remember you from lake elsinore and he gave me a big smile so glad oh, to nice. see ruben galindo back out there again
1: nice all right let's move on to strike two because i was at the game friday now much like Mackenzie gore i've done the same thing with robbie snelling i have watched every outing Either on MIL, well on MILB TV, up until Friday when I watched him in person, and I, I gotta say, what I see is, is is he's just as exciting to watch as Mackenzie Gore was. The only difference, he's not a number one. He's not a number one, seventh pick overall. Now, That's some just, high praise, right there. My it, goodness, it is some high praise. And, and let me let me just say that. There's awfully there is some room for approval for him, but I've watched every McKenzie Gore going into his career and then saw him several times up in Lake Elsinore where it was much warmer. Now, granted, it is colder right now, so he's getting by with a lot more of the fastball and the breaking stuff. There, you know, it's younger guys, it's it's newer batters, so they're still trying to find themselves. Um, but he's dominant, dominant, dominant. He topped out at 95. He sat mostly 92, 93. The changeup was nasty, as was his breaking stuff. He was economical this last Friday. 73 pitches in, uh, were 73 pitches. In 21 innings with a storm, Snelling has a .86 ERA to go with 26 strikeouts. Now, as he moves up, this will go, you know, a lot of those guys are going to spit on some of the outspeed stuff that kind of starts in the zone and gets out. You're going to have better pitching recognition with younger players. But I think as he moves up, he will make those adjustments as well. He's just – he's fun. It's an exciting, and the kid throws strikes. I know I get a little excited sometimes, but I'm telling you, he's just as exciting. He's must-watch TV. So if you guys are doing anything on Friday – he pitches last Friday. I'm sure he'll pitch this Friday again. Uh, maybe when he gets back up to Lake Elsinore. Um, go up there. Watch him; it's amazing, and he does really good. Well, so I want to point out that
0: the whole rotation up there is just kicking butt. Yeah. So I pulled up the stats. So they've got what six guys that are pretty much their starting rotation: Austin Kraub, five starts, two point one eight ERA; Snelling, five starts, 0.86 ERA; Jagger Haynes, four starts. Uh, 1.42 ERA. Henry Baez, three starts, 1.69 ERA. Manuel Castro, three starts, 2.95 ERA. Isaiah Lowe, three starts, 1.59 ERA. All those guys are just kicking tail right now, and they're yeah. all young.
1: Absolutely. So to finish off that game, Grant Pauly had three more singles and scored three runs to raise his batting average to 378. Good for second in the Cali League. Pauly also ranked second in the circuit with 21 runs scored. Rossman Verdugo had a pair of hits and drove in two runs. The 18-year-old Verdugo has yet to homer as a member of the Storm, but is third in the circuit with nine doubles. Tyler Robertson, who has been a key contributor to the Storm offense, appeared to injure his right hamstring and left the game in the sixth inning after coming up short trying to go uh, from first to third on a single. The 22 year old outfielder leads the Cal League with 12 stolen bases and has an 839 OPS on the year.
0: So what you said there about Verdugo, um, he's only 18, yeah. and I'm sure you get guys that move up to the California League at a young age, and they're thinking about, okay, I got to make a name for myself. I need to drive the ball. I need to hit for power. He's 18. He still hasn't grown into his body yet. Yeah, he doesn't have the the. I mean, the there's thump in a, in the bat. He's got a yeah. fast bat. He's gonna run into one eventually. But it's nice to know that he's got the approach to to stay steady and play within himself. Um, his 221 batting average isn't going to jump off the page, but he's getting on base at a 324 clip. Um, the 349 slug, you know, he's he's doing okay for yeah. being such a young player playing in a level. I mean, where most most kids would be in high school, maybe yeah. first year out of.
1: Well, in the in the nine doubles, those doubles in in a year or two are going to start turning into homeless. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. You know, so as he gets bigger, as he, as he goes into his body, that power is going to come.
0: For strike three on Sunday, lefty Austin Krob turned in his best start of the year, allowing just one earned run over six strong innings. Samuel Zavala crushed a 3-2 fastball for a homer in the first inning and reached base three more times on the day as he continued to rebound from a slow start. The 18-year-old outfielder was carrying a 125-286-188 line after his first 40 at-bats of the year, but in the last 40, he's pushed it up to 225-356-400. But what happened in the ninth inning was what made Sunday's win extra special. Trailing 9-3 and having only scored more than three runs they had collected only once in the series just far, it seemed unlikely the Storm were to rally back. It all began with a single off the bat of Griffin Dorshing. Then a pinch hit single from Jacob Campbell, who had yet to appear in a, score, a storm game this season. Charlie Sacchino hit a single that scored the first run of the inning. Two consecutive walks would then score another. Graham Polly walked and another run would come across. Gus <laughs> Verdugo would hit a sacrifice fly, leaving runners at first and third with just one out and the storm trailing by two. And we're going to throw it to the Storm broadcasters, Jacob Kronberg, and he can tell you exactly what happened next. Fabian
1: lifts one to right field. Albert Fabian, the walk-off hero. Stood in the box and watched it fly a game-winning walk-off. Three run home run for the Lake Elsinore Storm via Albert Fabian as they complete the comeback with seven runs
2: in the bottom of the ninth inning. The celebration waits at home. Fabian shimmies
1: across the plate and let the party begin in Lake Elsinore.
0: Oh, man. So Fabian had already homered earlier, but the, he gave the Storm the one of the most exciting walk-off wins you're going to see at
1: any level. Dude hit an absolute tank, and it was the second homer of the game as well.
0: Oh, man. And so we only have the audio here since we're a podcast, yeah. but the video of the thing, I mean, Fabian slams his back right. down. The whole, all the kids come out of the dugout and they're all hyping him up before he even started his home run trot. I, and it's one of the more, more over the top celebrations I've seen.
1: I almost want to say one of the most dangerous, because it seemed like for a second that he was going to get called out of the baseline because people weren't like those. The, the players were almost up to him and it was just absolutely insane.
0: I thought I saw a couple of guys kind of pat him on the back or something as he was going. Right, and that's one cap- of those where it's like when the play's going, like the the base coach can't touch a player yeah. because then it's like you're you're assisting. You're yeah. not allowed to do that. But I'm glad the umpires let it go. If if you know anybody could have taken issue with it, but oh my god, what an exciting finish to a game!
1: Yeah, absolutely. So after, uh, so right now, what we're going to play is just the audio of the hit and the crowd. So you're going to hear a crack, and then the crowd go crazy, and we're going to let that play out.
0: So now moving on to Fort Wayne uh, for strike for strike one. Hey, the Tin caps played a they game, played a game <laughs> after being... out Tuesday, Wednesday, and then the the Tin caps played a doubleheader on Thursday, splitting the pair in game one, Garrett Hawkins got the start and settled in after allowing three runs in the first striking out five while walking none, but allowing six hits. Hawkins, who cemented himself in organizational lore by throwing seven perfect innings en route to a Lake Elsinore combined no-hitter last season, has posted a 3.60 ERA and struck out 15 batters in 15 innings in 2023 for the 10-caps. I feel like he's done that kind of low-key under the radar, yeah, uh, but maybe that's how he likes to operate. Curvin yeah. uh, Pichardo had himself a day selecting his first home run of the season as part of a two-hit, five-RBI outing for the second baseman. The home run was the first Grand Slam of Pichardo's career. Pichardo, who joined the Padres organization after being traded for left-handed pitcher James Norwood in the spring of 2022. I believe that was with the Cubs. Yeah. Uh, game two, Victor Lizarraga displayed the form that has caused his rise up many prospect lists, tossing five innings of three-hit ball, allowing a run, and walking two while striking out three. Lizarraga, still just 19 years old, threw 42 strikes on 74 pitches. Brandon Valenzuela brought Fort Wayne back to the game with a seventh inning home run, his second of the season. The 22-year-old needs to discover his previous offensive form at the plate to move past the disappointing 2022. So far, he's answered the bell, hitting 276 with a .930 OBS and 29 at-bats for the 10 caps this
1: season. Yeah, that 2021 season for him in Fort Wayne was just insane. It seemed like he was hitting a home run like every other game he was just hitting bombs. And then, then, then last year came around, and it was just uh, you know, just uh, you know, just a struggle. But right. But they they like that, to
0: see they like to see guys struggle a little yeah. bit. How do you adjust with the adversity? What do you? What kind of adjustments do you make? How do you? You
1: know, mentally, how do you hold up through all of that? Absolutely. So it's good to see him kind of put that back together. Moving on to strike two, Hiro Iriarte. Tossed five quality shutout innings, allowing only one hit while striking out seven. He leads Fort Wayne in the strikeouts this season with a total of 30. Nathan Mortarella, homer twice, and racked up a career high five RBIs. His career first two homer game, his home, five homers ties him with the lead for the Midwest, with a lead in the Midwest. Mortarella has walked 14 more times than he has struck out 12. Overall, Mortarella is hitting 268. Three sixty-seven and five twenty-four. catch Brandon Venezuela homeward for the third straight game. Bam! See, keeps it going.
0: Now, for our listeners out there, you guys need to follow the Tin Caps Twitter account because they've been doing a really good job this year. One of my favorite things they've started doing this year, they've been doing the interview with the guys. So there's a question of the yeah. day. And yes. it's been a lot of fun watching that and hearing the different answers that these guys have. And mm-hmm. I also like that as each player is on screen, they're putting the guy's name there, so you can you can put a name to a face. Right. Um, you know, with the Padres, you know, the Padres are doing that all spring training, and there were a lot of guys that weren't known. You know, faces that the average fan would know. You know, you know Machado, Cronenworth, and right. Soto, but you might not know what some of these other guys look like. So I like that they're putting the name up there on that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and one of the first questions that they had when the season started was, um, who would you, what would you, what would you rather do, or what would you rather do other than baseball? And the manager said, "Be in Pearl Jam." <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty good answer. So I tagged Pearl Jam. They didn't answer back, but I tagged Pearl Jam. I was like, "You got to listen to the manager here on this one."
0: <laughs> okay so strike three on sunday ryan bergert uh, fought his command all afternoon but held the captains to just one run on a solo homer despite putting five men on base via walk the 23 year old righty has issued 14 walks in 18 innings on the season but is holding opponents to a 177 average to support a solid 2.50 era yeah. Burgert needed 85 pitches 49 strikes to make it through just four innings of work Jackson Merrill had his first three-hit game of the year, including a seventh-inning homer that was Fort Wayne's Wayne's fourth-round tripper of the game. He finished the series 7-for-23 with three extra base hits. Jason Blanchard continues his strong start to the year, working three innings of one-run relief with three strikeouts. 2019 ninth-round draftee entered the year with only 47 professional innings on his ledger, but he's worked to a 1.42 ERA in 12-2 and innings so far, striking out 19 in the process. So Jackson Merrill, we haven't talked about him a whole lot on the, on the pod. He hasn't shown up in these daily write-ups as much as people probably expect him to. Um, But we're only a month into the season, you know, and people are getting their legs under them at Fort Wayne. It's cold. They're dealing with weather and all this stuff. Uh, But still, he's not having a bad season for being, being the age that he is at the level that he's at. He's still doing just fine.
1: Yeah, he is. And he did really start off really cool with like one for 19, I think. Um, he is dirt, definitely hitting better of late. I think he hit, 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 he hit the home run on Sunday. Um, I think he might have hit a home run. That was Sunday. It's Tuesday. <laughs> I got confused with talking to his mom on Twitter. Like, yeah, we're going out to the game. Um, he had hit a homer earlier in the weekend, and I didn't post the video. She's like, right, we count on you for the videos of home runs. I'm like, I stepped out. I, I was watching the game. I had to go out and get dinner. I came back, and he hit a home run, and I didn't put it up there. Oh, uh, you got a job to do now. You got responsibility. Well, now that I found out how you can, you know, capture video on my computer, I'm doing it way too much. It's getting really annoying.
0: No, no, not at all. I'm loving it. I mean, you're putting it up on the Instagram account a lot. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's a lot of fun. I, I yeah. hope that that you're, uh, you know, getting a
1: little bit of activity on those. It would be nice. But let's move on to San Antonio. So instead of having a um, a rundown for San Antonio, I had the interview with Sam Blum, who writes for The Athletic, whose double-A team, the Rocket City Trash Pandas, are in the Southern League where they are practicing the enhanced baseball. And you guys might remember a couple episodes back where we talked about the Trash Panda game where they threw a no-hitter but lost 7-6. to Well, it's because, you know, one of the many factors was is that sticky ball. So check it out here, and we'll come back. Sam Blum covers the Angels for the Athletic and has an article on the enhanced baseball that MLB is testing in the Southern League, where the Angels Double A affiliate, the Rocket City trash pandas play. And it joins me now to discuss how's it going. But how is it going?
2: Um, I think the then these new baseballs are going really poorly. They're not uh they're not popular by any means, at least among the Angels prospects. You know, I guess it's possible certain players who are performing really well with this new ball, and that is happening some in some capacity. Some pitchers are striking out, you know, ridiculous number of hitters. You know, I I referenced one of them, Andrew Abbott, who's in the Reds organization who's striking out like 64% of the batters he's faced, which was, you know, and he got a promotion, I believe out of that. So it's, you know, certain hitters, certain pitchers are doing well with it. But I think just generally there's a huge difference and it's, it's impacting just development and it's impacting statistics and it's impacting just the players enjoyment of playing double A baseball right now in the Southern league and, you know, I'm not necessarily certain if uh, this is a really smart thing to be doing at such a high level. You well, know, the reasons behind it is is really just to you know not have players switch back and forth between a major league ball and a minor league ball. But is that really a good enough reason to to impact development at such a high level of a professional sports? Uh, it seems to me, uh, I would say no.
1: Yeah, it, it's. It's funny how, I don't know if you ever watched the Wiffle Ball League, but the Wiffle Ball League does, I mean, you, they throw like 12, like six foot breaking balls. And I, I can just imagine that the ball is just doing incredibly weird things. So can you tell me how
2: tacky the ball is or... Yeah, yeah, so Major League Baseball is secretive about the actual substance that's being used on these baseballs. They wouldn't tell me what was on it. You know, they tried a tacky ball last year and they discontinued it fairly quickly after this kind of, I guess, a similar response. And some statistics that they found made it impossible to continue on with pitching or using that baseball. Uh, You know, one of the pitchers who I talked to basically said that it's like, you know, like sanded down and very rosin heavy or... You know, I you don't know if the players even know exactly what's on it. I mean, they didn't have much time to practice with it. Some of the pitchers had it at the end of spring training. But I think generally most of these players first felt it, this, this new baseball, on the first day of the season in AA. So it's, I, you know, I can't tell you the specific substance other than it's basically sticky. And I can also tell you that these are regular, normal Major League Baseballs that are being <laughs> manufactured. And then afterward, this stuff is being applied to it. And then it's being shipped to major league or to, to these minor league teams, you know, the teams are not in charge of actually making the baseball sticky or tacky. It's, uh, it's you know, they're really trying to keep this as a control to, you know, experiment as possible. But, you know, uh, it also seems that some of these balls are some are more tacky than others. Some are feel different than others. So there's not a lot of consistency either.
1: Yeah. And, and do you know if it's, I mean, they, you would think anything sticky will eventually rub off on your hands. And I know a major league base or a you know, baseball doesn't have that much life, uh, in, in, in terms of how many pitches is thrown, but you would think it would maybe after a while it would, it
2: would stick on your fingers or, you know, it would maybe tack onto the glove. Yeah. I mean, if it's a sticky substance, it's, you know, it's going to stay on the, you know, the whole point really for having a sticky ball to some extent is that it kind of does stay on the hand. So it it allows you to, you know, uh, control the ball better or, you know, be able to get more movement or better spin rate. I mean, that's, that's the whole purpose of it. So, you know, I'd imagine it's staying on their fingers to some extent. Um, you know, it's it's it, the whole point of this is to, you know, eliminate cheating, really, yeah. and and also to not create a situation where hit, where pitchers have significant advantage over the hitters. So that's why they're trying out these new baseballs. But it seems like something they should be trying out maybe in the Atlantic League or a very low level of affiliated baseball, not double A.
1: Right. You know, and that's 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 kind of the sticky point where sometimes Major League Baseball kind of just suits themselves in the foot. I um you know, Japan uses a a, a tacky ball. Did they say anything about them maybe using something like that, or you know, it seems to be successful in Japan.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it has. You know, it's so tough for me as someone that's not felt these baseballs or even the ones in Japan to be able to compare them. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it seems like Japan has gotten this figured out to some extent. This is not; a, it does not seem to be a, you know, a problem like, like many problems in the U.S. It feels like it's 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 an American problem. You know, I don't right. understand why they can't. They can't. You know, just find an easier solution here, or even just allow players to be able to use spider tack or whatever it is that allows them to kind of get the best feel for the baseball that they that they can get. Um, You know, it's, it's, if there, if there is a solution out there, it seems like, why wouldn't they just take it? I I don't necessarily know that the comparisons to the the Japanese baseballs, uh, but it does seem like there's not this issue over there. And so why, why is there a, you know, a gap in, you know, effectiveness between, you know, the balls being used in the, in the United States and, and, you know, overseas.
1: Well, and, and you, and the pitches that do come over from Japan, they don't seem to have a problem throwing the major league ball. So, um, yeah. it, you know, major league baseball trying to be their own thing. Uh, sounds like they're not really looking for any other solution other than making their own. And it doesn't seem like it's going that well. Cause like in your article, you wrote, you know, you got guys just, saying, Hey, I don't know where it's going. And other guys are just throwing just crazy breaking pitches. Um. Yeah. You know. Great. So. So you're talking about the development. Double A has mo- you know, most double A organizations have. You know, the guys are right on the cusp of making the major leagues. Um. Phil I Evans was talking about it in your article about how it's just it, it's not smart to do this in double A. Um. Yep. And and the development, the, the player development guys just must be going nuts over this stuff.
2: Yeah, I mean, not, none of them would talk to me for this, but and and you know, certainly the manager at AA was really surprised. I mean, I feel like this is why you. To me, I was frustrated by the Angels' decision not to discuss this because it's something that's impacting their players, um, and really, it's something that's important to them and 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 you know, important to development. And you know, you shouldn't you know kind of leave your players out to dry to have to you know go to the media and and talk about this if this is an issue impacting your organization you know, speak up about it, especially the manager it's on the manager to talk about the things impacting their team. I mean, that's, you know, if a double a manager wants to manage in the big leagues, they don't, they're going to have to talk about issues related to their team. So credit to Phil Nevin for discussing it, but I was, you know, I was a little surprised that nobody else in the organization would outside of actual players on the team. Uh, But, you know, it's there, the players, their voice speaks, you know, louder than I think anybody else's could really. Uh, It's, it wasn't, um, this isn't going well. It's, they're not happy about it. I don't, I don't think a double-A player um, is going to put himself on the line, you know, in in a public way like, you know, Kyron Paris did as the, you know, the one, you know, named player who actually spoke to me, uh, unless he was pretty desperate and felt like this was a really serious yeah. situation for him. So, and for his teammates. And I give him a lot of credit for doing that.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's another one of those things where it's just, you kind of just put your hands up in the air Okay, all right, we're going to see how, I, I, It really going to be surprising if, you know, when they come back with this data and they have to change, they're, they're going to have to change the recipe or change the tackiness of the ball. And then are they going to go back to double A? Are they going to go to single A? You know, like you said, doing it in the Atlantic League or the indie ball seemed like the wiser decision. i uh, sure those guys are trying to make it back to being noticed in, you know, in, in affiliate ball. But certainly in double A, it's just uh it, it's. It's tacky.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's very true.
1: (laughs) All right, hey, I really appreciate you taking the time, but I'd be remiss to ask, you know, what you think. um, What do you think the Angels are going to do with Otani? Do you think you got a sense that now that Artie Moreno is not selling the team, uh, that he's going to sign him? Do you think Shohei Kinda wants to stay um, when it doesn't seem like the team is is they're
2: not poised to win anytime soon? Uh, What do you think? Um. You know, I think a lot of depends on this year. I think it's going to be tough for the Angels to re-sign Otani for a couple reasons. I mean, the big one is, can they pay him what other teams are going to be willing to pay him? Uh, you know, it's uh, Artie Moreno has has been pretty stringent on his ability to go over or his desire to go over the luxury tax threshold. And so that's going to be required. And he said he'd be willing to do it for Otani, but it's going to be required in order to sign him and possibly quite significantly over that luxury tax threshold. So that's a big thing that I'm curious to see how it plays out. The other is how are the angels going to be performing this year? If they're not going to be in the playoffs this year, if they're not going to be, you know, a dominant major league franchise with a pathway to succeeding for numerous years, I don't see why he would resign. I think it's important for him to win. And I think that the angels necessarily haven't necessarily put together a blueprint that makes it clear that they're going to do that for the long term. Um, You know, obviously you guys deal with the Padres, the Padres are a team that are, you know, I think will be intriguing for Otani because they're willing to spend and they're willing to yeah. put together a winner and that's what they're doing. I mean, you know, it's, I know the season hasn't gone exactly as everyone would like to start the year. Good weekend yeah. in Mexico for sure. But, um, you know, I think that teams that are are doing what the Padres are doing are to be best position, not saying that he's going to sign there or whatever, or that I have any right. insight to it. I, I just believe that, you know, it's it teams that are spending and teams that have shown they want to win. And that is what is driving every decision. Uh, you know, day, you know, afternoon and night. That's going to be the team that I think has the best chance to get him. And right now, Tani, you know, is is an angel. I think that the Angels fans should appreciate him for the next five months. Yeah. And you know, they'll see what happens. I mean, if they have a really great year, it's certainly a lot can change in this in this equation.
1: Yeah, certainly with the uh, you know going over the the threshold, uh, can you after signing him, can you surround him with other players, particularly a rotation? that can uh that can put you guys in the position to win in the um in the get to the playoffs. Uh, do you guys have any guys coming up in your in your um in your system that you want to talk about for a second?
2: Um well, I, mean, I think the Angels have, you know, they just called up Zach Neto who's a, you know, was a top prospect who was, you know, literally draft last last year. Um uh, you know, I think that they've got some guys, uh, even like someone like Kyron Paris, who I talked to for that, or, you know, he he's a guy that I think is frustrated by his stagnating development because of this baseball, you know, uh, you look at a guy like Ben Joyce, who I thought could have made the roster out of spring training as a closer and, um, you know, he's in double A now. And again, also someone's dealing, dealing with this with this new ball. Um, a lot of that's a big thing with why this all kind of is so important. The Angels have a lot of their prospects in AA. And I think one of the big ones we might actually see this year is Edgar Caro, who is a catching prospect, also in AA. He's only 20, just turned 20 years old. I think he's really a couple of years away from being fully ready. But with Logan Ohappy now out for probably, you know, at least four months and possibly the rest of the season. And then you have to consider the fact that um, you know, they don't really have much catching depth. He's someone that they could call up any day. I mean, it's, it's, they might not, they might decide against doing something like that, but just given their catching situation, I wouldn't be surprised if he has an active role in this team throughout the year, assuming they don't require somebody else via trade.
1: You know, and the guy that I've watched for a while was Joe O'Dell and was excited when he came up a couple of years back. I think he's down triple A still. Is he, is, has he not turned out what you guys thought he would be?
2: Uh, yeah, he's in, um, he's in AAA, he's doing well in AAA, but he's kind of done that in the past. So, you know, it's kind of incumbent. I mean, they don't really have a spot for him right now. They have three solidified outfielders. Um, I mean, obviously Taylor Ward's having a bit of a rough start to the year, but I I don't think they're going to supplant him because he's had a bad month. You know, I think that Joe Adele is probably the ideal situation is him to play all the entire season in AAA. And then, you know, Hunter Redfro is going to be a free agent and, and, you know, assuming, they don't re-sign him, you know. They maybe they consider bringing up Adele, who still I think just turned uh twenty-four a few weeks ago. So there's not like you know he's not like he's a, a huge bust already. But yeah, I mean he's had opportunities at the big league level and has failed in those opportunities and not performed well. So it's it's you know the, the prospect shine is certainly worn off on Adele. The question is. You know, is there still a really capable major league player in there that can do well over the course of several years, numerous years? He's still so young, and I, I think that if you were to trade Adele, you know, you have to be very careful because you don't want to watch him go and and do what like Brandon Marsh is doing right now, where the Angels traded him last year, who's now one of the best hitters in the National League for the Phillies. So, um, you know, I think there's a lot of calculations with Adele, but he's, you know, I don't think he's a prospect anymore. I think he's going to have to earn his way onto the big league roster and earn it by playing really well over a long period of time. Yeah.
1: Yeah, well we know as a Padre fan, we know really well that players going off, coming back and making their mark. Hey, and and we
2: love Hunter Renfro here, but he is what he yeah. is. It's a bomb or an out. Yeah, I mean, he's been good for the Angels so far. I mean, he's probably, you know, he's a yeah, I mean, certainly he's a, you know, he's in some cases I think all or nothing kind of hitter, but I mean he's not necessarily been that way so far this year. His strikeouts are actually quite low. Really? So, his, uh, you know, he's not like that three true outcomes guy, and he's, he's definitely great. He's probably outside of Trout and, you know, maybe Otani's probably their third best hitter and, and, and been reliable, played every day. Uh, he's, de- his defense has been really elite. I mean, I don't think they could have expected any more out of Renfro than what they're getting right now. Yeah, we're glad
1: to have Fernando Tatis Jr. in right field, but we do, you know, with a cannon and Renfro with the cannon, which we love to watch him do. Uh, yeah, Sam, I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, talk to us about the baseball. Hey, uh, later on, if you've got an update, we'd love to have you come on and let you know and have you let us know uh, how the rest of that season is going in the Southern League.
2: Till then, man, I really appreciate it. Absolutely, Jonathan. I appreciate your time. Thank you. So I also
1: asked him about the Otani and and what he thought about what was going to happen to Otani. He didn't, uh, you guys heard, it doesn't feel like the angels are going to to be able to sign him. I had to agree with him. I'm not necessarily sure he's coming here to San Diego, but he wants to win. And I think, you know, and they're doing pretty good right now, but one decent season isn't enough to make me want to stay when, you know, when the Dodgers haven't done a lot of moving this last season, they signed Jason Hayworth, you know, and it saves a lot of money. So I think they're gonna make a hard run. And it almost seems like a good good fit. I hate to say that for the Dodgers, it's not Dodger loving. It's just the way the landscape of baseball is. They're gonna throw a truckload of money at him and he won't be moving that far. That's the big thing. He won't be, he won't be leaving the area, he won't be. You know, going across country, maybe learning a new team, new organization. He'll be just going up the freeway, learning a new organization, kind of staying where he is. So I, it, that's what it looks like. I hope I'm wrong, um, but that's what it seems to be.
0: Well, we can make those same arguments for San Diego. Uh, and it it sounds like the, the you know, Seidler and and them, they've... they've they're prepared to make a run at somebody. They right. sounds like they want to extend Soto. Um, if that winds up not working out, everybody thinks that they're going to try to go after Otani. Uh, so all the stuff about not having to move far, being on the West coast, you know, easy transit back to, to Japan. I don't know how yeah. often he goes back to his home country. Uh, but I mean, I, I hate to say this, but I, if I'm Otani, it, Los Angeles is just the media darling. Yeah. And if you're trying to be the super duper superstar and just be in all the bright lights and cause he's already making crazy endorsement money yeah. and that'll only go through the roof with his next deal. uh, So I, I could see, but I'm, you know, who yeah. knows? Yeah, right. I, there was an article that came out in ESPN Plus that's behind a paywall, so I haven't I haven't been able to read it. <laughs> but apparently, uh, the the Mets are mentioned, uh, the Texas Rangers are mentioned, yeah. the Seattle Mariners are mentioned. So right now, you've got what the Padres, the Mets, the Phillies, uh, and then the Dodgers, the Yankees, a handful of teams that are spending a bunch of money, and a whole bunch of teams that aren't spending a whole lot of money. But you know, they've got to be looking at what Peter Seiler's doing and feeling some heat. And yeah. other teams are going to start spending. So I have a feeling that there is going to be a lot of competitors trying to go after Otani.
1: Yeah, it's gonna it's it's insane. But to kind of go back to the ball. Um, yes. You know, I asked him about, you know, Major League Baseball using the ball that the Nippon Baseball, the MPB, the Nippon Baseball League uses. And he didn't know. Um, I don't know why. I don't know how they do it in Japan, and maybe I'll do a little more research on that for the next episode, but you would think they would reach out to them and go like, hey, what are you guys doing? How's that working? They're dipping the ball. They're, they're, they're getting regular baseballs. They're not mudding them up, so it's nice and shiny pearl. Then they're spraying them with some adhesive, and that's how it's going. So it's um, – I don't know. Like I said, again, I don't know how they're doing it in Japan, but it seems like Major League Baseball is maybe doing it on their own. And they're doing it it's particularly in double-A where sure they use the same ball as major league baseball but dude in double a guys like the angels have all their top prospects in double a most organizations have it's just it, it's not done well the yeah i'm surprised can, that they're
0: doing this in double a i mean this yeah. is something that you know they they play with this stuff in the uh, the atlantic league and the yeah. in the independent leagues now that especially now that they have all the um all the Hawkeye data tracking, you know, so they can, because one of the things, so, okay, strikeout rates are way up in the Southern league, but hit by pitches are also (laughs) way up and walks are up and past balls are up. So it's like the, the stuff is nastier, but the command, if anything, it's gotten worse. Yeah. And what I've read is that actually, because of the grip that's on the ball, these guys are able to spin the ball significantly more than they could before. So now fastballs that would stay at the top of the zone, now they're getting a little bit of a ride and they're riding up above the top of the zone. You got a slider that used to break nine inches. Now it's breaking 14 inches. So how's the guy supposed to adapt to that? But to your point, okay, so now I've been playing for a month in the, in the, the Southern League and then my team calls me up and now I've just recalibrated all my stuff because yeah. I've got this crazy breaking balls and now I can't get that same grip on the ball and everything's flat. How's yeah. that
1: supposed to, to correlate? It, it, it's just, yeah, and they're once again, the thinking was, it's double A. It's just, it's the same baseball that Major League Baseball uses, and but it's the, not yeah, right. Well, it's the same. the The, the baseball itself is the same. It's oh, just right, stamped, right. It's just stamped MILB. It's it's the same baseball. You go lower than double A. It's a different made ball. It which this doesn't make any sense to me overall. But, and that's another thing where they're just, you heard it, guys. The pitchers got it like a week before the end of spring training. The position players got the ball like the day, first day, like first day of the season. There you go. Our last day of spring training. Here, that's the new ball you'll be throwing across the yard from third base to to first or or trying to hit
0: third base now i'm throwing a ball what 120 feet yeah and so now i'm a third baseman i've got a kind of a sidearm release i'm used to my ball sailing a foot between me and the first baseman now it's sailing two feet so what (laughs) now i've got to aim a foot left of the first baseman to try to hit him i that's that's a little bit weird Uh, but so nippon professionally they use a mizuno ball so mizuno i'm sure they've got their trade secrets and i don't know how closely they guard that stuff but i know that in 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 general, I mean, the Japanese manufacturing practices, they don't tend to pull back the curtain a whole lot. They're very right. proud of what they do, but they don't want everybody knowing their secrets about how they do what they do. So the the they've been able to control their ball so closely. They've been able to alter the the rebound, the coefficient of restitution of the ball yeah. from year to year to uh to balance out how the power has played in the leagues. And they've been totally upfront about it. They've come out and said, okay, we're gonna do this. We're gonna change this ball two percent. And then what do you know? The 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 numbers change by exactly what they said it would. I mean there's science behind all this. Yeah. Now, the manufacturing thing, so, okay, Major League Baseball in the upper levels, they use one ball manufactured by Rawlings, and then the other levels, they use a different ball. I think there's one manufacturing plant in, I think it's Costa Rica, where all the Major League balls are made, and then all the lower level balls are made in, I think it's China. And so it's the same manufacturing process. It's a different manufacturing facility. So same materials so should be the same product. But when you have a different plant making it, it's going to be a different product. Yeah, uh, absolutely. But I, after all these years of trying to come up with a solution, they can't work this out and they can't come up with a, it, it's right. just, it, it. It's baffling to me.
1: It is. It is with a multi-billion dollar company. Can't figure it out. And I can't at least go, give us an idea. <laughs> we'll cut you in on the profits. Um, it, it's just, it's, it's fascinating how Major League Baseball continues to just kind of shoot themselves in the foot when they're trying to, you know, trying to improve the game, which I appreciate that. I appreciate trying to improve the the game where pitches pitchers don't have to use any sticky stuff or, you know, there can't be any question on if sweat, sunscreen, and rosin is too sticky. Mm-hmm. Um But, you know, it's research and development is research and development. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. I did ask him if maybe he'll come back later on in the season, if he has any more to to add to it as the season gets more data. But I thought it was very interesting. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: Then meanwhile, you got Rob Manfred lying through that gap in his teeth about Oh, we're using the exact same ball, but, and then right. we've got Meredith Wills and her mountain of evidence that shows no. There are distinct, different lots of balls yeah. with distinct groups of performance, uh, and they've been deployed at different times. It's you know something's going on, and you know he knows, but he's you know he's got to toe the company line. He is
1: his boss is the owner, so he's got to be. <sighs> Yeah, well, and to kind of finish up this whole thing because we only have one more segment left with uh, with El Paso is today. Right before I get on, um, the deal that the uh, the Oakland A's had with Red Red Rocks uh, Casino has Ooh. been redone with Bali uh, Casinos, and they are scheduled to tear down the Tropicana. Yeah,
0: I saw that.
1: That is the Tropicana that you know Las Vegas from. That's oh, yeah. the one in every mobster movie. Well, that's Flamingo, but the Tropicana is is the one you see in every movie from the forties or you know to the fifties all the way through. Like that's it's a landmark. They'll be tearing that down to build their new ballpark. And it's it's right in the middle
0: of the strip. Right in the middle right of the strip. In the middle of the strip, right next to the airport. I mean, what an ideal location if you're trying to pick a spot in Las Vegas to put a ballpark. Right. I mean, that's gonna be crazy. It is. But the so good passes. for them. Yeah. But I mean, it just <laughs> makes me feel so bad for the fans in Oakland that yeah. they've supported their team through thick and thin. Uh, and, and now they've just, I mean, the owners have turned their back on them and yeah. it's pretty clear that they had no interest in staying in Oakland and just kind of doing the bare minimum. It really reminds me of the, the tricks that the Spanos family pulled on San Diego when it was clear that they just wanted to get out of San Diego one way or another to go chase some money.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. Oh,
0: anyway, let's talk about minor league baseball again.
1: Yeah, back to El Paso. So, strike one Tuesday, Jay Groom got a hard luck no decision after having his best start of the season. Groom pitched six innings of no hit ball, walking three and striking out nine. First baseman Rang- Rangel Ravello had three hits, including a double. The former Cardinal is currently riding his six game hitting streak. Overall, Ravello is hitting 351, 464, 404 with El Paso. Matthew Batten, friend of the podcast, reached base twice and slugged his second home run of the season. The 27-year-old infielder has struggled offensively out of the gate in 2023 with a K rate that is up eight points from last year. Despite the contact issues, Batten has a robust 18.5% walk rate that ranks 10th in the Pacific Coast League and has helped him to a respectable 366 on-base percentage.
0: Strike two on Wednesday, Ryan Weathers made his first start for El Paso after being optioned to AAA. On a positive note, he worked four scoreless innings and allowed all of one hit against the first-place Dodgers. Immediately after that one hit, Weathers picked off a runner to negate the damage. It was not all <laughs> glory for Weathers, who threw nearly as many balls, 30, as he did strikes 33 over his four innings. He ended up walking five on the day compared to only three strikeouts. Uh, we didn't see that kind of command issue when he was up right. in the major league s- side. So yeah. I, you know, that's just got to be a a, a a glitch in the, in the numbers. Um, You know, everybody has a bad outing here and there. Okay. So Ray Kerr struck out the side to earn his first save Kerr. Who's been working this year to throw strikes at triple digits has been a big strikeout, big walk guy. However, this makes six straight appearances, including two in the big leagues without walking a batter. And in the Mad Friars interview that they put out a couple of weeks ago, that was something that he emphasized was focusing on not walking people. By the way, if you haven't read that interview, please read it. I had no idea about Ray Kerr's backstory Um, that he came. I believe he was a foster child. Yeah. That, I mean, you talk about somebody coming up through adversity. You know, I always picture the most of the domestic, U.S. born players coming from a fairly wealthy family where they've got opportunities and they've got, you know, they can afford the travel ball.
1: They can afford all the instruction, right. they can afford all that stuff. That is
0: not Ray Kerr. He wound up taking a job at a movie theater, picking up popcorn and thinking that that was going to be his job. Somebody finally talked him into, Hey, come out and play ball again. And what do you know? He wound up, he's made his way to the majors. I mean, yeah. what a story. Yeah. Okay. So designated hitter, Preston Tucker carried the offense with a pair of home runs and three runs batted in. The older brother of Astro Star Kyle Tucker <laughs> Preston had his first multi-home run game since 2017. In 19 games with El Paso, the 32-year-old is hitting 322 481 593 with more walks than strikeouts. So the 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 stat the slash line it's easy to discount that because you just say, oh, it's Pacific Coast League. Yeah. But no, they're looking at walks versus strikeouts. They're looking at swinging strike rate. Uh, they're looking at batted ball profiles, which give you an idea of what would those balls do if it wasn't being played on the moon. Yeah. So Preston Tucker, he's making a pretty good argument to be at the front of the line if a reinforcement is needed in the outfield.
1: Yeah, and at 32, he's he's hanging on. So that's... Uh... You know, it's a high time he gets a shot. Well,
0: you know, if if the opportunity
1: were to present itself. All right. well, so strike three Thursday, Chihuahua scored seven runs in the 12th batter, bottom of the eighth inning Thursday, to come back and beat the Oklahoma City Dodgers, 8-2. The eighth inning rally included a grand slam by first baseman Alfonso Rivas, the first grand slam of the season by an El Paso batter. Rivas now has hit El Paso's first home run, first walk-off home run, and first Grand Slam of 2023. Catcher Yeoman Rodriguez caught three Oklahoma City runners trying to steal bases. Back in El Paso, after serving as the Padres' 27th player in Mexico City, Brandon Dixon smacked a pair of singles to raise his batting average to 358. Dixon, a former Detroit Tiger himself, has enjoyed a renaissance in the Padres system, following up a transcendent 2022 with five home runs and a 1.142 OPS for El Paso, and 53 at bats to begin the season. Combine that power with four-corner defensive versatility, and Dixon remains a sensible option to rack up Southwest Airline Mile between El Paso and San Diego. That's kind of, I think Kevin of Charity wrote that. You know, and Anderson Espinosa got the start for El Paso, and while he lacked command, he kept the ball in the yard. Espinosa allowed two runs on three hits and four two-thirds of innings of work, striking out six but walking four.
0: So I just wanted to point out that the stars aligned and the Padres were playing Dodgers affiliates at every level last week. So on Friday, the Padres beat the Dodgers, the Chihuahuas beat Oklahoma city, the tin caps beat the great lakes loons and Lake Elsinore beat the quakes. Just don't, don't look at what the missions did in their doubleheader against the Tulsa (laughs)
1: drillers. (laughs) Right. And then Sunday, the same thing happened. Um, the storm one Oklahoma or um won, one and Fort Wayne won. unfortunately the Padres couldn't
0: pull off their end of the deal yes they that, that was that was the rough one on national tv uh Josh Hader giving up the unfortunate bomb the first time he's failed he's right failed a failure failed is a hard word because one bad pitch and it wasn't even a bad pitch one pitch that a that a uh of MVP caliber hitter could get Absolutely. at and Super he did smart. what he's supposed to do. So, you know, you take that one and you, and you lick your wounds, and you come back for next time. Yeah. Um, but I he, I was refreshed that after a season like that, the team was in it every single game. There wasn't yeah. a time in all of that when the Padres seemed like they were out of it.
1: Yeah, no, but I, I did feel like two runs wasn't going to win the game. And as it got later, I'm like, maybe I'm wrong. I didn't tweet it. I, I, I'm glad I kept my tweet to itself, but um and that's you know the we can't win in the playoffs in may right one way or the other it's going to be in the season or in october we're going to get you and we're hoping that it's october you know
0: what i would rather lose every season or every series against that team during the regular season and save that win for after the you know for the one in october that really matters the most absolutely all right well i'm gonna get back to the padres game that's going on right now with the twins uh and i got some dinner to make but in the meantime you can catch me on twitter uh, i am at zippy
1: underscore tms and i'm donovan you can reach me on twitter at sd donovan and i can hear every time the padres don't score a run from runners on base i hear this ah! in the other room so that's what's happening right now uh go padres let's go padres